Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. And back for another week of the fifth and last NRL podcast via a distance tonight, Boxhead. But we're coming up to that point of the year where footy's about to wrap up. So for the most part, hopefully the last five or so weeks uh, will be in person. And we might even put out two episodes a week, depending on how things pan out. So maybe be able to break up content a little bit more or put a little bit more content out as uh, we run into the grand final. Yeah. But, yeah. But, uh, yeah. Well, particularly for finals, so it, yeah, it'd be good to get a little bit more out there and have a little bit more time to to get together and talk footy. So yeah, yeah, one one game left for us this weekend. So yeah, from there on out, we'll figure something out. But more than likely, you will be getting a bit more content on the run home to the NRL Grand Final in 2022. And let's kick things off as we always do with our. Set of six brought to you by bluebet.com.au. If you are going to have a bet with anybody, you do it with bluebet.com.au. Download the app today or visit the website. Uh, charity account. I went across a couple of back rails this weekend, but no dice, unfortunately. So still 7.42. I should have doubled up on a punters club bet that I had with Nakora, uh, but I didn't, unfortunately. So no, no good. I've done that two weeks in a row now where I've split the odds instead of doubling up and I should have just wrote it with the same yeah. one. So. I tried to tell you this last week, but you just don't listen. Mate. My, my bad, Bears of Hope. My yeah, bad. We, we are what we like to call uncoachable. Uncoachable. But while we're talking of Bears of Hope, which is a fantastic organisation, big shout out to Frank, who we met on the weekend down at Wollongong, um, who was nice enough to come along and support the boys, New South Wales Cup, who grabbed a win again against the Dragons by field goal again, and he was also nice enough in the process to donate to Bears of Hope. So good on you, Frank. You're an absolute legend. Yeah, he's a beautiful human too. Had a good old yak to him, and he, um, I said, Louis here, I'll go and get him. So you were, you were in sinking a winning beer, and um, I hadn't sort of got into the shed yet, and uh, yeah, dragged you out of there and had a good old... Good old chat, Frank. Uh, yeah, we're just, we've got a lot of good humans that listen to the show, so I was just, yeah, really genuine guy and a really genuine thing to do, so it's much appreciated and it's just good that people are coming to the games and good to meet listeners in the flesh and shake their hand and have a chat. It's good. 100%, especially after the last couple of years where we haven't had much interaction at all, obviously. Yeah, that's right. And that's I know right. we've said it a few times that we'd like to do a a big Super Saturday weekend or something, but we've always been coaching, so there's never really been an opportunity or a good time, and then we had two years of COVID, so I'd like to one day hopefully have a weekend where we have something we can sort out along those lines, but Frank, we're out there. Uh, again, thanks. Maybe a, maybe a fifth and last luncheon. 
Oof, that could be dangerous. <laughs> Any anyone out there who's got a owns a pub or has got connections at a venue, let us know and we could we could do it. Yeah, I reckon that would be good fun. I reckon we could get a few people on board for that as well. That would make it interesting. Hundred percent. Make a bit of a day out of it. Hundred percent, mate. Bit most definitely. Maybe we can get Buzz there, mate. He's got a bit of a thing for lunches. Yeah, he likes it, mate. But hundred uh, percent. We move on from that one. Um, I thought number one on your set of six would be your experience in the coach's box on the weekend. Well, you can take over. Tackle one, box it. What, what, what were you going to relate? No, 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 I'm just talking about you. I was, I was in there coaching and riding the game. You were, you were in there uh, witnessing the shenanigans. Oh, I've witnessed it before in different circumstances, but it's much more enjoyable when you're more of a passenger and you're just watching the game. But That's right, yeah. I was still no different to you in the end. I was jumping up and carrying on, so... <laughs> Actually, I didn't get. It. I didn't really talk for the last ten minutes. Once we got on a bit of a roll, I was pretty confident that we were coming home the better. But uh, yeah, there was a little period there where I was about to go through the glass. I think. So. Well, I can't remember who made the line break, but one of those. Last, I think Joshy might have gone through. As soon as he went through, I was up and whacking him home because there was a try that went the other way that I didn't agree with. So, was pretty happy about that one. And I was also said it in the box that I was backing in Electric Sablu to kick that one from the sideline, which he did. Yeah, Jared Sablu, he's going really good for us at the moment. Brad Abbey as well. So Good uh, good way to finish up. Another, another good win, yeah. So we're seven wins and six losses with uh, one game to go since. Um, yeah, been fortunate enough to take over that role. So it's, yeah, it's been so cool. And so much fun. Yeah, it was just another really fun weekend. I said that to the players after the game. It was just, it's going to be uh, going to be sad when it all finishes because we, yeah, we just we get along really well and the players, staff alike, like everyone, everyone gets along and we have a heap of fun. And yeah, we've been fortunate enough to play some some really really good footy. And you know, at time we copped our we've copped our licks along the way, which we knew we were we were going to with. Without the fortune of having an NRL feeder, but it's been opportunities for for our guys, and yeah, there's some good news rolling in as well. There's a lot. There's a few NRL offers coming through for some of the players, which is unreal. Like that's that's how I measure my success. You can talk about wins and losses all you want, but I want as many of these guys to you know get a whether it's a development contract or a train and trial contract with an NRL team next year. That's that will be the measure of, of success because that means that hopefully as a coaching staff we've we've improved them to a point where you know an NRL side thinks well he could come in and, and add value to to their club so that, that's that's the end goal winning's fun though it's more fun than losing yeah 100% and like I said before I'm, I'm, there's a handful of guys there certainly I think uh, that are more than capable of being in top 30s there's no doubt about it mm. so yeah I, definitely Hopefully that ends up being the case. But going back to the start of that point, obviously, again, big thanks to Frank and nice to meet you, mate, and appreciate the support and the donation. But set of six, number one, kicking off uh, for me was a pretty simple one. It was just all the big guns on the weekend firing at the right time. Um, You see, like we've said, South, I know they didn't get the win, but they've been in a really good vein of form. We've got the Roosters now six on the trot and starting to come to life. Cronulla look like they've barely got out of second gear, but they're winning big. 
Parramatta, I know it's been hot and cold, but a big win. Like, it was just an absolute bloodbath of a weekend for all the big teams, I think. The only side, realistically, in that eight that didn't respond, and I'm, you'd be truly worried if you're a fan, is the Broncos, because they're well and truly, one stage there, looking like they were fighting for the top four. Now they're in the position that we were talking about for those other teams, where if the Raiders keep winning, they could potentially fall out. I, I never in my wildest thoughts thought they were going to cop 60, but that, that's a real worry. All right, yeah. Uh, no, no way in the world. I thought they were copping sixty. No way in the world. That, mm. I think that loss could almost see them out. But I, I don't know how you come back from that. I'm not, I'm not sure how many teams have come back from a sixty-point demolition like that and and done anything serious in the finals. Look, but realistically, in saying that, I think it. It's just, it's a really, really good achievement. I think feel like the Broncos, if they do make the eight, they probably got there a year early. I expected Adam Reynolds to have a, a big impact, but not as big of an impact as, as what he's what he's had. So yeah, I think if they land there, they're probably not going to trouble the scorers. They might win one finals game, but I'd be shocked if they moved any further than that. But wouldn't you think from where they've got to now? the quality in their side, what they've done, that anything but making the eight now would be a failure? Because I do. Yeah, but they're missing, like Carrigan, I think, is they're missing that defensive starch. And then having watched him be mic'd up on the Benji show, like, he, he's a real leader in the middle of the field. Like, he was doing so much talking and they've got a lot of young players. I think they're certainly missing him. That's not an excuse. That That's not enough to or enough of an excuse or enough of a reason to justify getting whacked by 60. But they, they certainly have... There's reasons there why they're, why they're struggling. But I, I don't think any to justify 60. And Yeah, I think you're right. As you go along throughout a season, you certainly reassess. Yeah, well, you've recruited Yeah, of course. Like Reynolds. If, if two or three weeks ago, they would have thought, you know... We should certainly be playing finals football. Yeah, you're right. Hmm. Well, like I said, they've pushed on with Reynolds, Kate. Well, they already had Haas, Flegler, Carrigan. They paid big for Stags. You know, they talked up pretty much the chances that anything bar that would probably be somewhat of a failure. They hit that flat spot, then they come really, really good. But now they've really fallen into a rut. So, if I'm a Brisbane well, fan, we do, we do get we get recency bias. You, you say things, and your expectations revolve around your most recent results. And that's why on the weekend you saw Kevin Walters did look a little bit concerned. And I'd be concerned if I was coaching the Broncos at the moment, definitely. Mm. Well, besides Brisbane in that eight, like I said, a lot of teams are playing some good football. There's a couple that are still a little bit hot and cold, like your Parramatta's, but definitely got the talent on the right day. So that brings me to tackle two and the second point question that a lot of people are still arguing about and you won't know until finals comes, but just from the eye test yourself, is this the deepest list of contenders you think we've had or do you still think it's pretty narrow in terms no, of... I thought this was a no-brainer. It's definitely the biggest list of contenders we've had. Because I know a lot of people will sit there and, you know, we've had fans even on our own page calling the, the Cowboys fake and I know some people that aren't big about the Sharks. Um, some are thinking that the Souths and Roosters can't win from the bottom end. I'm of the opinion that if South and the Roosters get in in their best form in the bottom half of the eight, I don't think there could be two more dangerous teams coming from the bottom half of the eight in a long time. And 
Um, you know, if, if agree, Sam's paying up. Exactly, on their best day. And then you've got the Cowboys, who I know struggle a little bit in Sydney, but if they get a home final week one and, and get through, they're going to be very, very hard at home. They're a team that's shown that they're very, very good playing up there and it's a massive advantage. But, you know, Cronulla, Penrith have proved even without their halves and their players, obviously, that they're very, very dominant. And Melbourne's a little bit of a reshuffle and rethink about their football has certainly opened things up. I honestly look at it and think exactly kind of what you're saying on their best form, obviously not to even odds, but there could be realistically a couple of real upsets or a couple of, you know, just some cracker games that you look at. I honestly think that whoever falls into eighth place, whether it does end up being Canberra or Brisbane per se, I'm really hoping that none of those other teams fall out, that they're just cat and fodder. But the other seven, I think you could make a legitimate case if they played the head-to-head 10 times with anyone in there that there's varying odds but they've all got chances that's for sure agree me agree so I think it's it's an exciting thought because it's excellent yeah and I just hope that we get games that reflect how close we believe that those teams are because sometimes you can think it and then when they play each other it might not manifest itself that way and Mm, I, I just hope we get a really, really cool and close final series. And yeah, the fact that we've got those better sides and we feel as though they're all pretty close together, that that breeds some really, really tight and exciting games. That's, that's what I want. Mm. And I, I, obviously, we know what we've talked about all the time. If you're going purely on paper, purely off form, purely where they are right now, like I still think Penrith, all their players, probably are the best team. But finals, as we always talk about, it only takes. One. Oh look, I think they're they're a shoe in to be in a preliminary final. Yeah, but we know, like we said, after that they're one off games. Exactly, but we saw it last year. I thought they were an absolute shoe in last year, and they got rolled week one. They still got the job done, but and most people would have thought they were zero chance heading into the Melbourne preliminary final. They were what three dollars fifty outsiders. Well, again, that was the flip around last year, wasn't it? So that that this is the thing. Yeah, they're only going to be good on one day to beat them. And especially finals time. So that, that that's the intrigue with these teams coming in. So like I said, ideally for me, Roosters and Souths get in and wouldn't play again week one. I'd love them to be separate week one. Um, you know, if Melbourne fall into fourth and play Penrith and Penrith, and then if the Cowboys somehow held on to second and got the Sharks up there, because I don't think they're only going to let the Sharks have a home final in Sydney. I, I, that week one to me would be awesome. Storm at Penrith. Sharks at North Queensland against the Cowboys. Maybe Roosters finish fifth and play um, Canberra if they fell in, or you know South finish and play Parramatta for a third time. That, that those sort of games to me that'd be just an outstanding week one. Definitely. So fingers crossed, uh, like we said, that it is true, and we we possibly get an upset or a couple of results that people don't expect, and it is an open final series. But tackle three, moving on from that, probably again to the point of last week, which is the disappointing thing. Um, after all the talk and things to come from the Paul Green situation, what happened with Jackson Paulo and then Adam Dewey getting threats and abuse at the ground? Like, honestly, some people, I you just, you wonder what's going on in their head, really. I can't understand. And probably the sadder part of it is that some of these people would have been the people last week as well on board with this exact concept of don't say the these things and, you know, talk and would have been all about that and then at the same time you can't handle losing your multi or you're worried about your super coach or whatever like if you can't handle having a bet and losing a $10 multi or you're playing in your super coach final like no football player gives a fuck about that and the, the effect 
that some of those comments can have, like like death threats for Christ's sake to someone for dropping a couple of footies who's not obviously trying to do that. Like it's his job. He's at the highest level. He's playing the most difficult level of rugby league. And you feel entitled anonymously because you have these platforms where you can do it to get on and carry on like a fucking peanut. Where if you rocked up to training or saw one of these people in real life, like a Jackson Paulo, who I've seen around at a few of those games, and he's not a small human being, you wouldn't dare say that to him. You wouldn't dare say it to him. So I just, I'm still blown away again. I don't know why we're wasting our breath on it. Oh, I think it's just more fucking annoys me that, you know, the, there is people out there again. Like I know you get the little bit of anonymity, particularly Twitter. Like we've got some really good people on Twitter, but there's also some people that, you know, you, you wouldn't have a clue who they are. Like I honestly think you should have to register. I've said, I've said, I think I've said this on the show before. I, if they don't have their name attached to it, I don't even... I give it zero credence. No, I get that. And I know that some of the players have said, like, it's water off a duck. Well, you, you don't have your name attached to it for a reason. Yeah, it's water off a duck's back for some players. Because but... you've got no integrity or because you're not man or woman enough to actually say it to someone. Yeah, or own your comments. <clears throat> and and the, be the, accountable the, to what you're saying. The point there, again, like, some players are affected more than others and clubs talk about it. But the other one is the effect of family, friends, partners, like Mitchell Moses had threats the other week we had to get a police escort and Mitchell Moses saying, you know, I wasn't so much worried myself, but like his family got threats. Like that's just ridiculous. It is ridiculous. And that's the point I'm sort of getting to here. Like if you can't handle having a bet and yeah, that's going to ruin your weekend or you think your super coach is the care factor of someone trying to do their job and play at the highest level, well then you're fucking kidding yourself. Pull your head in. And a week after we've just talked about all these sort of things and the effect and if you were to talk to someone and we need all this support, like for anyone on the flip side of this, like throwing that sort of abuse out there or using these platforms or even people at the game, you know, the, the Dewey stuff. I know it wasn't a great night for Tigers fans. I know it's probably hard to swallow, but you're not a real fan if you're you're abusing someone. Like there's going there and paying your money and you're in the ground and there's that whole thing of, oh, you've paid your money, you're entitled to cheer and boo. Yeah, there's a difference between cheering and booing during a game and then personally trying to threaten someone or go after somebody out of game. Like that's that's just not on. Yeah. So, unfortunately, yeah. Uh, just the continuation of this sort of stuff. So really enjoyed Diara's comments. Sometimes I listen to him on the radio and there's some things he says I don't agree with, but he basically said we're more than happy, everybody here to accommodate anyone who's behind the keyboard. If you think it's that easy or you think you could do a better job, come down to train and see what happens. <laughs> Yeah. So that's the thing again. These people won't ever step forward or come into the light, and that's the reason these platforms. I think you should have to register your name properly with details to use them, because some of the things that people say and get away with it is ridiculous. But we move on from that uh, and on to something a, a bit more. To the, I, I guess this is something a lot of people are sick of hearing of. We don't like talking about it, but it's. Come up again, speaking of the Tiger situation, you didn't think things could get any worse. Um, what happened the other night, I think the summary of everything and the Tigers in general was the explosion from a guy like James Tamir, who is an exemplary person, been really good his whole career. He's been very successful, started at the Roosters, had a really good run where he's played internationals and origins at North Queensland, won a premiership, played in grand finals and rep games, moves to Penrith. Gets to that point where they build back up to the grand final. Is the, the man that sort of captained them through that rough patch as well. And obviously in the end, the decision was a one-year deal or a couple-year deal to move on. Makes the decision probably more on a business side of things rather than a personal level because he's got 
a big family and those are the sort of decisions you have to make. But I think all the frustration and the build-up of probably being at the complete opposite end of the spectrum to what he's been used to his whole career finally boiled over the other night to think that that was potentially, you know, one of the last couple of games of rugby league he was going to play and that scoreline, um, I think that pretty much just sums up rock bottom for the Tigers. Yeah, where to start on that? That, uh, It was embarrassing. And James Tarmel's behaviour reflected how disgusted and frustrated he was with the performance. And it was inexcusable. What what he said and how he acted on the field, he deserved to be Simbin then said, and he deserves to be suspended. It's as simple as that. I know that he's potentially retiring and he regrets it and he's remorseful and all that sort of stuff. But, yeah, in the end, in life and as an adult, you you make errors and you pay consequences for them. It's, just, it's as simple as that. Yeah, I think, so to you before, I've just seen the results. Apparently, he ended up getting the downgrade, so he's going to get to play last round. Um, I'm pretty sure he's so keen. He got, a, what did he, he got a week. He got a week, so I think he got a grade three contrary conduct. Do you also get a fine with your week, or is he just, just uh, got a week? I didn't look at the full details. I think the thing that frustrates me, again, it's the word that everyone talks about, and I saw everyone the other day from feel good to this, that, and the other, saying exemplary career, this, that, and the other, all these reasons why he shouldn't be suspended. But after what we've seen with Montoya, with the mics on the field picking up, the derogatory term he used, getting three to four weeks, and then yeah, Brandon. I don't, I don't think I don't think you can compare it to either of those two. They're, they're different cases. I think it's as simple as he swore at an official. He, he, well, I, I think the people were trying to say that Brandon Smith calling the ref a cheat compared to effing incompetent. Not, that's what I'm saying. I don't think that that's comparable either. I think it's, it's as bad. No way. Well, no way. I, I, I disagree. I, I think yeah, it, it, he swore at an official. He called an official incompetent. Effing incompetent. And he went back for a second dip. His integrity He's just saying, basically, you're a bad ref. Mm. Which, you know, he's he's entitled to say that. But if you want to say it, then where are the consequences? I, I thought... I thought a week... That, that I'm okay with that as a first offence. But I, I do think that we need to... For anything which comes into the line of, uh, of referee abuse, we should hit him in the hip pocket as well. Find him 10 grand. And just need to make a clear statement to, you know, how do we value, what value do we place on the respect that our players have for referees and officials? Because as soon as you lose that, it's, it's a slippery slide. Yeah, my, my thing is they said they were going to make a statement at any abuse for the referees a few weeks ago and we've gone from a couple three-week suspension to one week. So I just think same. full you're stop. Comparing, you're comparing things that aren't the same. You can't it's go not, the referee. It's comparison. Mm. It's, the argument is what is a fair suspension for someone who swears in an official? For someone who calls a, a referee a cheat, it's completely different. It's not the same thing. I, I'm okay with a week. I would like to have seen him be fined as well. And I think as a second offence, it shouldn't go to two weeks. It probably should go to four. You swear to referee again, or you're convicted of a similar offence, you know, within whatever period they deemed it, uh, have carryovers, it should, it should go from one to four. 
if you do it again, it should go from four to eight, make it more significant and a bigger fine. Right? I've got no doubt he, he won't reoffend. So he would have learned his lesson, but well, you still need to... It's going to be hard to reoffend if he's only got one game left. Pardon? It's going to be hard to reoffend if it ends up being his last game. Yeah, but that's a, again, that's irrelevant. What the point is, I think he's learned his lesson. And he, he, he did say that he wants to go around again for another year, I think. So may not may not be his last game. We'll see what happens. Hmm. Well, he was hit with a two-game ban for a grade three, sort of downgrade, ended up getting that, and then they're giving a summary of reasons for the decision. Which, what was the charge? Was it contrary conduct? It's grade three contrary conduct. Which is a two weeks. Should just be swearing an official is this, you know. And you, you go to the ones that you were talking about before, like questioning the integrity of, of, of an official. This is what that looks like in terms of a charge. You're saying he acted out of frustration, spur of the moment, without any degree of calculation or premeditation in the circumstances. Yeah, and it's. Again, the contrary conduct is just... It's a grade three contrary conduct, so we can just make up whatever the suspension is. Because Basically. And in light of the player's history and his obvious remorse and contrition, which was expressed immediately after the game in the course of this evidence, the panel was satisfied there was no need for the penalty to incorporate any element of personal deterrence. So in your okay, sense... So, yeah, that's, that's cool. I, I didn't mind what he said. I, th- I think he was certainly... Uh, contrite and regretted what he said. I'm okay with that. I, I would like to think that he went in and manned up and spoke to Ben Cummins and the things that he did off the camera, I'm, I'd be more interested in, in what he did off camera and outside of what people saw. That would speak to whether he genuinely regretted what he said or not. Mm, and that's, I guess, something we won't know, but... Um, that really sums up, like we said, the Tigers set up. And after a week of flogging the centre of excellence and everything heading in the right direction, they get lapped by seven. But even, even that, like, they're like, oh, we open the centre of excellence, okay? Centre of excellences don't work in a week. No. I, mean, I heard a lot of people talking about that. It's like, it's such a dumb thing to say. Well, we already know. Centre of excellence will be a fantastic asset for that club for, you know, the next probably two decades until they knock that down and build what you know what is the next centre of excellence or the next facility for rugby league clubs in the future. It's it's a fantastic asset for the for the West Tigers and it will help them both on the field and off the field. So it should be celebrated. But to compare the opening of the centre of excellence with their performance on the weekend, I thought was a long bow. Yeah, I guess at this point in time they're looking for any positive, but. Again, um, but they weren't. They were using it as a, as a negative. That was my issue. Well, again, you didn't think things could get much worse. They certainly have. There was talk this week about Sheen should take over now. I don't agree with that. Um, there's no point with the last. Well, I, I would say this: I, the way that they're going at the moment is just proves that they should not have moved Mark McGuire on. Well, that was sort of the thing. Do you I... think? So the argument was that well, we need to move Mark McGuire on because. We need to attract players for next year. They've every week that they go out and they play what they did on the weekend, and their performance has been pretty poor, apart from that one win under Kamali. 
and I, it's not a shot at Bokamoli, but they they would be playing better football under Michael Maguire. I've got no doubt about that. Well, they were playing better football under Michael Maguire. The two big names they signed were signed by Michael Maguire, which is why one of them has cold feet looking at the results and also the fact his international coach is no longer there. <clears throat> I think Arpi, and full credit to him because he deserves it, he's going regardless because it's the biggest payday he's had. He's had some decent contracts, but they've all sort of been similar over a long period of time. This is his big contract. So he's yeah. not pulling out of that. This is his payday. That's fine. But for Papa Lee, like, it's, like I said the other week, it's, it's up to him. He's put himself in this situation. Um, the fact that Maguire's not there obviously would have had some attraction to start with, but how him and Parramatta didn't work things out earlier or at least if on his part hold off a little bit to prove a point that he was worth the money and get that over the line, I don't know. But I can totally understand now, rightfully or wrongly, where his head's at probably with the fact that Madge was going to be there. He plays for him under the New Zealand setup, and then looking at what's going on and things like thinking, me going there is not going to turn that around on my own. RP going there is going to help as well, but they need a lot more than those two to turn that situation around. So, And on the Sheen side of things, he's going to have to wear some of this moving forward because at the end of the day, he said, obviously, from his view, that was the decision to make. They've also now pretty much leaked out there that they, you know, they did have a crack at Sorota and that didn't work out. So then from there, this is what's led to the situation where they're going to go into this interim thing and build towards the unique situation, as we know, of Benji Marshall and Robbie Farrah taking over, who have no experience at this point in time. So they're really embarking on a bit of a journey here, which is going to require some patience, probably a, a, a bit more pain. But if they don't get some results at the end of a couple of years here or things don't start to look better... Um, I, I, I shudder to think how the Tigers fans are going to feel. Yeah, great. It's uh, it's going to be a hell of a hard road, that's for sure. But moving on from that one, tackle five. Bit of interest this week around the Dolphins side of things and Wayne Bennett. Obviously, uh, they've been a bit quiet for a few weeks. We know they've probably locked up 22 or 23 plays for next year and a lot more moves are probably going to have to come for the year after given the fact that the market that was open to them was pretty limited with only a 12-month turnaround, but very interested to hear the news that Cody Walker and Latrell Mitchell haven't really pushed on with their contract talks with South at the moment, even though they're both supposedly keen to stay. It seems as though they want to also get to November 1 to potentially have a talk to the Dolphins. So I don't know whether this is just a tactic, which is more than likely by managers, to push up the price, because I don't think there's any way in hell Latrell would leave Sydney. We like he left the Roosters to go to South. They let him go home to Tyree all the time. Like him moving to Brisbane to me just seems impossible. He's a bloke who gets a lot of free time and time to go home and sort of do his own thing. I really think this seems more a tactic by both or a tactic in general, maybe money wise, which it's full credit too. I think he's going to get his money's worth with the way he's played, but he also needs to look on the flip side, Latrell particularly of what the club's done for him um, with his injury and managing and some of that freedom as well. The, the Cody Walker side of things, again, moving at this point in time when you're playing at South and you're a bit of a late bloomer and the players you've got around you, and I'm sure he'd be paid the right amount of money. I don't know if it would be in his best interest either to make that move to that club at this point in his career to finish off. I, I, I more more than think that would be the sort of tactic there. And obviously, they've obviously ramped up their bid for Cameron Munster as well, which could be as high as $1.4 million a year. So they really know they need to get a marquee and I think the other one that I found interesting which is another reason I think it's a a ploy again for contract wise is Latrell said I'm, I, don't, I don't understand how is it a ploy I, I don't get that I just think 
I'd, I'd, yeah, I just don't see how Latrell and Munster are linked together in this. I, they've got the money to sign both of them. Why couldn't they sign both of them? Well, he came out and said himself that I, I wouldn't want to be number two. I'd be the marquee. So I think Wayne Who's Bennett's Wayne Bennett's comments even came out and said we couldn't sign both of them. We can only sign one marquee. But the well, Cody, that's a, nice thing, that's a nice thing to say. He could definitely sign both. Of them. The Cody, yeah, well, that's why I think. Where, where else would they spend that money? Might be a little bit of help from his old mate, knowing that he, there's no way he's going to relocate. I don't think that would happen in a million years. Who? Latrell. I don't know. So I think this might be a little of help from uh, old Wayne Bennett to push the price up, which I don't think he needs any help pushing his price up. But um, the Cody Walker and him holding off thing interests me to get to the open market. I think they're all better off staying together at South. And considering they pushed Reynolds out for that. Yeah, okay, that's the fairy tale story or whatever. But you think that would well, be probably... If the price was right, I'm sure he'd move. Yeah, well, we'll see about that one. But the Munster one... Pretty good relationship with... Mm. The Munster one's the one of probably real interest. That's the one that's been dragged on forever. He's constantly commented about it. They've come to a point there where I think Melbourne uh, today have flown Braith and Astodown, had a, a crunch meeting, and I think they've tried to get within the ballpark or around the figure to basically say that this just needs to be sorted because otherwise they're going to move on. Yeah, but move on to who? Well, I think they've got targets in mind, but they don't want to be going through this next year with nobody lined up. So I think they're basically trying to get to a point where they know they're not going to offer as much as what the Dolphins are, because they're trying to keep the majority of that spine together, but they need to arrive at a figure where he's happy at Melbourne, clearly. He's been there for a long time. He knows what to expect, and you've got that stability. Or does he want to go to a new project, start up up there in an unknown without a lot of help? So I think that that's coming to a head very, very soon, and hopefully it's resolved before November 1, but $1.4 million is a hell of a lot of money. So, like we said, Dolphins certainly ramping things up and Wayne again, using the media and getting his comments out there and uh, trying to make some moves. But I think there'll be a lot of big moves next year with a lot more talent coming on the market. But they certainly need to get somebody as a marquee player. Yep. So, a bit more around them. And tackle six to finish us off. The power rankings brought to you by... The Penrith Solar Centre. Don't be sidelined by rising power bills this season. The team at PSC are dedicated to providing you with high-quality solar solutions. Tackle your bills head-on. Talk to the team at PSC and get over the trial under save thousands per year in costs. Call 1800 20 or visit www.penrithsolar.com.au. Number one boxhead, who have you got? Uh, I have Cronulla. Well, I've still got the Panthers, again, missing players. One, and they're still far and wide away from everybody um, in terms of the ladder. Number two, who you got? Uh, Melbourne. All right, well, I've got the Sharks sitting at two. Um, good run of form. Obviously, I haven't had the hardest draw, but again, we're in a really good position right now to potentially jag that second spot. In terms of the home final, I think they've appealed to the NRL that they don't see Allianz as an advantage if they tried to move it there. I still think for them, if they can't play at Shark Park and they get that spot, I'd ask to play at Cogra. It's close enough to home. Yeah, well, they're gonna, is that going to meet the minimum requirement? Well, certainly a lot more than the 10,000 or 11,000. They can only have at Shark Park at the moment. I don't know the maximum capacity. I think capacity. probably get 20 in at Jubilee. But for week one, like Penrith's only going to be able to hold 25, so I think Jubilee would be similar, you'd think. Um, Penrith's, Penrith's 20. Yeah, well, they're allowed to have week one, so I don't see why you couldn't get a Cogra. Yeah, provided they can get 20 in there. Mm. Number three, who you got? Uh, the Roosters. Right. Six in a row. Played in Melbourne this week. And then I've got the Panthers at four. 
I'll have the Cowboys at three. Good bounce back. Uh, again, still up in that top four. Roosters are my fourth. Uh, really coming along nicely. Uh, I'll have Cowboys s- at five. I've left South uh, at five. Obviously, disappointing they didn't get the result the other night. But again, building into some good form. You got six. South at six. Yeah, I got Storm at six. Obviously, things looking much better after the last couple of weeks. Uh, this week is the real, real big one for me. They get Felice back. They've sort of been putting their best 13 out and minimising the use of the bench and changing their style of play. If they turn up big against the Roosters, uh, that'll be a sight to see. But really looking forward to that game. Number seven. The Eels. The yep. Eels just... I know they won, but they were unconvincing, so... Yeah, and eight. I bumped them down, and at eight, I've got the Raiders. I think the Raiders are going better than the Broncos at the moment, so I've got them at eight. Yeah, well, that one again, I think it's pretty open-ended, but the Raiders just... I just can't go on with the result. Again, the, the Jekyll and Hyde of both halves and just them within a performance is insane to me. Yeah. Um, and they've they left pumped by 60, so. they've left a lot of meat on the bone this year and they probably shouldn't be in this position but again they've got two weeks to try and sort it out and force their way in we'll see what happens but that wraps up the power rankings let's review these games from the weekend and the first one was an absolute blockbuster Panthers up against South 26-22 how'd you see this one? well I feel like South's Probably controlled the majority of the game, but Penrith just withstood and, yeah, were good enough to score points when they needed them, even right at the back end there with the Liam Martin drive. Melbourne, uh, sorry, Melbourne, South, you know, got ahead by two. Penrith kicked the penalty goal and come back down and, yeah, instead of going for the, instead of going for the one-pointer, they take a little crash play. I thought it was really, really good play from Chorus, actually. He rolled out and got the mark and got the A defender and isolated Liam Martin. And, uh, yeah, they kind of just managed to, to hang in and find points. And South, to me, they, they... I don't know whether they do enough in yardage. Like they're, they're certainly very, very good when they, they can put on their scripted plays, particularly that movement from... Uh, right to their left. I think they're they're really really difficult to to stop. But when they're when they're forced to you know have the ball in play and sort of go set for set, I felt like they were a little bit off Penrith. But when it became stop start and South got scrums and penalties, they they score with ease really. Like their attack from set starts is probably the best in the competition. Whereas I think Penrith are probably the best in the competition when the game flows and, and the ball is in play. So it was really a clashing of styles in that regard. I thought it was a really, really high-quality game and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought, like I said, South probably should have got the chocolates, but Penrith, they're just they're winners. They know how to win. They know how to win late. They don't panic. And on this occasion, they, they, they found a way to to get a result over, over South. It was, yeah, it was a fantastic game. Best game of the weekend by a mile, I reckon. Mm. And again, like you said, no Cleary, no Luai, no Fish. Uh, Martin obviously had a couple of opportunities that went by the wayside early, but redeemed himself. Yeah, we keep talking about that, like the players that got out. Look, who cares? The, the fact is they were, they were good enough to beat South with those guys out. 
that's the point I'm making. It's a great result. Um, and yeah, Martin, obviously, like I said, not the greatest game up until that point, but redeemed himself on full time with that crash play and Coruscant's impact. Obviously, great. He had a hand in two tries. And some people talked about the genius in that tactic of starting with Kenny and let him sort of work for that first 15, 20. Like, to me, again, unless RP needs a rest at this point in time, well, that was sort of the point of it. Like, during the finals, you can't do that. He has to play 80. Well, I think Sony looks a better hooker than Mitch Kenny anyway, so... I'm with you, but the fact that they're... Like, you're not going to start a Sony or use him for that role. I just think for them, RP's 80 minutes, plain and simple. Mm. I just don't... Yeah, I, I agree with that. I don't even want to consider a role where I'm using a change, first of all, and then i Maybe he's carrying around an undisclosed injury. Yeah, and that's the only thing I sort of thought in my head. I, I can't think of any other reason, because the, the tactic of, oh, well, if he starts and takes this thing out for 15, 20, it's like, well, he's still going to play... 60 minutes, make 30-plus tackles and be involved in everything. For him, he, he can play 80. So, unless it was a little bit of a freshen up, again, I don't understand why. If that's the case, last round, I, I'd be resting the majority of the players now that they don't need to win and they don't want to probably send their players to North Queensland the week before the finals. So, everyone will sort of get that freshen up. And if anyone needs it this week, do it again. Um, but he's too important for them. Again, we keep saying it, but I think it's... It's going to prove to be a very, very big loss because he's he's been a real difference maker since he got there. I think he Dylan's obviously emerged a bit, and we know the halves are great. And they've got a lot of good players, but I think it's really still undersung how important RP Coruscant is to Penrith. Yeah, and the impact that that forward pack has on his ability to influence the game. Hmm. I think he's going to be significantly better when he gets Fisher Harris back as well. Hmm. And I think vice versa. He's obviously helped a couple of those other guys there that they've brought in from other clubs or some part players or guys improve as well. A good nine can certainly help out his forwards. So, um, but also your halves, that accountability around the ruck. But he was great. Um, and yeah, like you said, I guess for South, it pretty much is that. Anytime they sort of get into that flow, set for set cycling type of football, it's not as much fun for them. They're deadly from set pieces. They had plenty of opportunities, but Penrith scrambled, absorbed and did enough. And um, I thought Yo similarly was outstanding, real captain's knock and Sullivan's done a really good job while he's been in. Kickwell done his job. Edwards, the OBs worked hard. They're on the back foot early, but they obviously sort of got on top and um, for South. So every time Latrell touched the ball, I know there's still, you know, a couple of errors or moments each week, but you just cop them because the amount of class in his touches, like he had so many good moments again the other night. Um Kalamatungi thought was pretty good again and I I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I guess for them, the, the one upside they can take away from that game is Campbell Graham's back in. He got a runner on his belt. I think Tom comes back this week. So they're getting closer to what's probably their best 17. Yeah. So um, leave that one behind and move on. Cowboys, Warriors, not a lot needs to be said here. It's a team again after three years of, you know, a lot of road trips and a lot of struggle. Things are getting close to the end. They're down 24-4 at halftime, 24-0 the second half to end up 48 to four. Um, I, I think I said it the other week. It was a great result last week. They 
got a win uh, at home, but I, I sort of thought they might flatten out until that last round and go out with a big bang at home against the Titans. And um, certainly, it hasn't been a great road trip for many people going up to North Queensland this year, and it proved to be the case. Yeah. yeah I just got destroyed. I don't take anything really out of this game. Cowboys probably got played back into form a little bit, and the Warriors are the Warriors. They were bad. Hmm. Well, for the Cowboys, you want upside here as you run up the four and against because if you potentially finish deadlock with the Sharks, you're going to need those points. So they've brought themselves close to even again. I think they're just slightly ahead. Um, the flip side of that again, Cotter got another run under his belt. McLean got some more runs under his belt. There was a chance to use Leilura on the edge this week because Gilbert pulled out, so they got to see him probably for the first time more in that position. The downside is Tom Gilbert. Uh, sorry, Tommy did and the poor bugger. The ruptured testicle, he played the whole game with it. That's tough, um, but he's going to miss anywhere from two to four weeks. So I think for them, they'll certainly be hoping he's ready for week one. And I'm sure he will be, but that that's, uh, yeah, that, that's a tough injury. Gosh, yeah, no thanks. But, yeah, I think, like I said, this is one of those ones easy to sum up. They controlled him in the halves, pulled him apart, rolled him through the middle, got upfield easily. They scored some nice tries, but realistically it was... Probably more important just for the for and against side of things in that battle with Cronulla. There's not a lot else to take away. No. Um, and for the Warriors, yeah, um, playing their way to the end. Storm Broncos, 60-12 to 12. again. just This one's probably my most alarming one of the weekend because this is a team in the running, which not long ago, again, there was talk of top four. Now they're in a point where they're going backwards at a rate of knots and They'll never land in the top four. Yeah, I get that, but they were in that spot. I didn't see this point where they're talking about falling out of the eight. So 64% possession went to Melbourne. Brisbane missed almost 70 tackles, 15 errors. Defensively, they were just awful. Um, and I, I guess from Melbourne to fall in that hole that they did and probably Bellamy to make those comments and challenge the players as well as the rethink that he sort of had, this reshuffle has worked outstandingly. The, the, the thought process behind, you know, just stuff trying to balance this out or have a rotation on my bench and get 17 players. He's essentially just going, I'm going to put my best 13 players on the field. We're going to start fast, go hard, try and do as much damage as we can. And if we can get back to that defensive principle and effort that they had, which they have the last few weeks, we can probably play our way to a victory. And it worked against Penrith. They punched in the mouth early. They got a couple of tries and, Again, the other night, deploying those big guys on the edges, getting Nars at Mam who missed 10 tackles and Tui on the other edge. And the ruck speed that's generated from that gets Harry Grant out, which in tow gets Brandon Smith off the back of him. And then you've got Munster to sort of freewheel and off the back of that with Hughes now back in as the steering wheel. Um, it's it's sort of a rejig of how they wanted to play, but it, it's working. And again, just sort of rotating a couple of guys off the bench for some stints there to freshen some guys up. I'll be interested to see how it works now that Felice is back in, if he still finds a way to get Nelson some time on the edge because it certainly expanded his minutes. He was only playing 30, 35 minutes. He played 70 the other night. So, I... I I don't know whether to take out of this that Melbourne are back and they can win the comp or that Brisbane were just hopeless. I guess we'll... I think there'll be more questions answered this weekend when... Melbourne play the Roosters because the Roosters are, yeah, probably Melbourne and the Roosters are the two hot teams at the moment. They've had really good recent results. 
Yeah, it's going to be a great gauge for both because, again, Melbourne get Felice back in, so they're probably closer to what they have. Like we know, again, Welch, probably a no-no. Papenhausen's a no. Remus is gone. But in terms of what they've done, what's available to them right now and who's missing, this will probably be closer to the best they can put on the field um, with who's available for them right now. And and similarly for the Roosters, they've been waiting a couple of weeks to get Collins and Tokiaho back. I'm pretty sure they both got named. So on their side of things now, yeah, I think they're basically back to the best possible team they could probably name heading into the finals and great situation for them. Um, there is some question marks. I think Tui got a back injury and Xavier Coates obviously failed his HIA. They also lost Tyron Wishart, who was more that utility role, but um, you know that was, that was more of a plug-and-play if things went wrong. So interesting to see who feels in there. But yeah, for the Roosters, I guess Satili's out. We know that. Billy Smith's out, but... Collins and Takiaho back in, that, that's the best team they can put on the field. So it, it'll be a hell of a clash. But for Brisbane, uh, again, like you're missing that many tackles. You're getting beaten up to that regard. I know Carrigan's missing, but they've still got plenty of quality there. There's, there's no excuse to cop 60 points and play the way they no, did. No way in the world. The sadder part is one of those tries was an absolute gift when Nelson had the brain snap earlier with the flick pass and Coates threw it straight to Catewell back in midfield. So... Um, yeah, diabolical. And again, the, the the things that surprise me, like we talk about, I think they've made some really good decisions, but I, there's still some decisions I sort of struggle with cap-wise. Like when you've got a guy like Staggs, who again has played a handful of good games, gets schooled by Justin Olam, but he, you know that's seven hundred thousand dollars. I just I don't know how you arrive at that figure. I really don't. But, you know. Uh, it is what it is. So we'll see how they respond this week. They've got a tough game against Parramatta. They definitely need to respond. They certainly gave Parramatta a bit of what for a few weeks ago, so I'm sure they'll be wanting a bit of payback. And Melbourne, like you said, we've got that blockbuster against the Roosters down at Amy Park. So moving on from that one, Parramatta again, 42-4 against the Dogs. I know a few Dogs fans were sort of surprised after the last two weeks what's happened. And I... I I think you, as much as people don't like to believe it, p- players can see the finish line. It's been a tough season. You know, they, their coach got fired early. An interim come in. There's a lot of question marks up in the air. There was a lot of contracts up in the air. Players didn't know their future. Interim coach comes in with a point to prove or an opportunity as well. And now sort of anyone who's got their deal has got their deal. People that are leaving know they're leaving. The coaching situation sort of been sorted. It's two weeks away from being over. Unfortunately, a bit of the wind goes out of the sail. So I think similarly to, unfortunately, a couple of these teams that know their, their season's done, I think even just that little drop, 5 to 10%, is enough to get you smashed in the NRL by a decent time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's exactly what happened on the weekend. Oh, the multiple teams. And, yeah, like I said, again, lots of guys now know what's going on. Things have sort of... Uh, Played out that they I, I can't cop the well, they're out of contention, so they're not motivated. Oh, I don't agree with it, but I'm just yeah. Come watch out, come watch man. He's he's what I was cut. We've been out of it for 10 weeks, but they can't with the performance every week. I don't, I don't understand it again. It's it, to me, it's a little bit of entitlement. It's like, well, you know. I've, I've got my contract, I've, I'm securing my job, so we can't make finals. I'm just going to clock off. I, it's not good enough. How do you make 
and make players accountable. That's that's the difficult part of it. Yeah, again, like I said, got some of the guys that are moving on. Now they're going, everything's sort of been played out. Like their last few off contracts. Yeah, both... you're moving on, but you got pride in your own performance, surely. Yeah, I'm not disagreeing in that regard. No, I, don't I, don't, I don't know. But it, it seems to be a bit of a thing. Like you unfortunately see with some of those teams that know they're done. It's usually one or two that fight on or get some upsets at the end of the year. But going off the weekend's results, there wasn't many upsets. There was a lot of shellacking, so... Yeah. Looks like a lot of teams are, are, you know, pretty much got their eyes set on that Monday. Luckily for us, we're getting a lot of these top eight teams playing each other on the running to make it up because it was the other way around and there wasn't some of these clashes. It could be just bloodbaths across the board. Um, this weekend, similar deal again. There's a few games that could be absolute cricket scores, but luckily there's three clashes between six of those really good teams in the top eight. So hopefully they sort of bridge that gap, but... Yeah, I think the Bulldogs are another one that's certainly arrived at that point where they're looking to the end of the season. But for Parramatta, you get Moses back. Um, positive result with him and Dylan Brown. The kicking, the control, their forward pack, as Brad Arthur talked about, turned up this week. Did a really, really good job. Got some second phase going. Punched some holes in them. And I think the Dogs did a pretty good job in the first half. But that sort of resilience that they've showed a lot more of over those weeks to come... Uh, Obviously, wasn't delivered to anywhere near the same level. Again, probably looking at that finish line, you know, they, they sort of got themselves to halftime almost only down by six, conceded one late from memory, and then the second half, yeah, the, the, the Eels just ran away with it. It wasn't wasn't, one disallowed, so. Mm, so, wasn't great. Yeah, but, uh, their discipline wasn't great, and then their defensive resilience no. on the back of the poor discipline wasn't good enough to solve what Parramatta was throwing at them. Oh, I'll tell you nothing out of this from a Parramatta perspective. The Bulldogs were pretty ordinary, in my opinion. Yeah, and this is why we look again. Parramatta have the Broncos this week. If they're serious, it's a game they should win. They should be seeking a bit of redemption for the poor effort the other week. And technically, they're still in the hunt for the top four. I don't know if it's going to pan out that way. But mathematically, and with the games that are coming up, they could potentially be playing Melbourne last round to make the top four. Yeah. So they've still got a lot to play for um, and they should be wanting to get a home final at the minimum. If a couple of losses to finish off, I don't think they can fall out of the eight, but they can certainly lose a home final. So I'm sure top four would be the goal if it could work out, but minimum they'd want to play home final week one. So big week for them this week. The Bulldogs doesn't get any easier. Uh, They play Cronulla, who again will be looking for a big performance and they finish up against Manly. So maybe last round we might see bit of that spark you see when guys realise that this is the end but um, there they look like another one who's unfortunately booked mad Monday and are heading to the exit so speaking of the Sharkies 40-6 to over Manly um, Kieran Foran's last game at Brookvale really disappointing effort I know they had a lot of players missing but the last month things have really really fallen apart and um, I, I think probably the crazier part here is I didn't think Cronulla were great either like I thought they had their moments but they weren't exactly clinical but similar to the last few weeks, even playing probably in second and third gear in patches, like they've just been too good for the opposition they've played. They put 36 on the Tigers without really having to try. Um, you know, the 40 here where, again, there was good patches, there was bad patches, but it, it's really hard to take much out of it. But I, I, I'm more looking at Manly just going, I really don't know how this gets better. Like, you've got ex-players now talking about this should be... Christmas. The end of Dez's time. Christmas is how it gets better. What's that, sorry? Christmas, that's how it's get, it gets better. Well, there's no, there's no gifts at Christmas. They've only signed one player. Kelma Tualagi. The gift is time 
away from each other. Mm. They've got salary cap pressure, which is still unbelievable. Dylan Walker's leaving, Tapau's leaving, Davies leaving, Foreign's leaving. They've got a couple other guys off contract, and they're only bringing one player in. So at the moment, unless they've got some dollar dazzlers, they, they basically said they couldn't afford Kieran or any of these guys. So I, it, I shudder to think again, like we've talked about, that their cap situation clearly has been poorly handled and they've got way too much money in three players. It, it really looks that way. So I, I don't see how it gets better, and we've talked about this before. When you're so reliant, only a handful of players, in particular one in Turbo, who's played one of the last three seasons, basically, you really hamstring yourself as soon as you get an injury. That's exactly right. Whereas if you distribute a little bit more and have sort of a core group, which we've seen a lot of these top teams do, sometimes you can recover. Sometimes you can have some guys come through. You can sort of rejig how you're playing things out a little bit. But without him there, with the situation, the way things have played out, and then to see how much is going out the door and they're saying they can't really bring much back in, I'm, I'm baffled how it gets better. Like I know when Tom's there, that, that solves a lot of problems, but you also can't rely on that one person to win you a comp. Like last year, they, they snuck into the top four, but they struggled against everybody in the top eight. Like They, they really need to have a rethink about what they're doing. And I know that extension for Daly Chair Evans this year again, is probably entitled but the, the amount of money again to be around the similar amount again and put themselves in that similar sort of cap situation. I, I really need to have a rethink about how they spend their money. Exactly. Because the model's clearly not working. Yeah, the model's not working. Simple. So, We've been over that before. Yeah, for Cronulla, I guess you're upside here More again. Depth. They need to be better with their recruitment. Mm. And then you look at like a Cronulla for now, like, I know they're a better part of their window, but... The last few big contracts are going out. They've got a couple of guys on good deals at the moment. They've got really good depth, and it's proved here. They didn't have Rudolph, Talakai, Teague Wilton, Tracy, Kennedy, who are all to return and not part of their side. Miller's done a good job. Ikevali played well. Trindle's played a few games, done well. Hunt and Ueli have brought that sort of impact and dynamic part to their middle that I thought they were sort of lacking, which is really good for them heading into finals football. Moylan's return was pretty good with Nico, like, there's a lot of pluses there. If they get those other bodies back in, um, you know, they're still competing potentially for a, a top two spot and a home final that's not going to be at Shark Park, but still an advantage being in Sydney than heading to play, you know, Penrith at Penrith or potentially having to go to North Queensland. Yeah. So interesting to see this week. Um, like we said, Bulldogs, Andrew Fafita, that they've announced today is moving on from the clubs. So they're going to want to send him out in a big way. At his last game at Shark Park, obviously, the grand final hero scored the try. Um, he's been a really good servant to that club. Um, so I think it might be a tough weekend for the Bulldogs. Lots of emotion. Yep. And for Manly, yeah, similar deal on the way home. Raiders in Canberra. Way too long about this crap game. Hmm. Raiders in Canberra for Manly. Um, depends which Raiders team turns up, I guess, but it could be another hard day in the nation's capital. Roosters Tigers, we want to talk about talk about something. Seventy two to six. Yeah, we spoke about it in our set of six. It's diabolical. Mm. Roosters were excellent. They'll get a big test this weekend. They've been excellent since that night out here at Penrith. And uh, I think yeah, they're playing a really, really nice brand. Sam Walker's improving every week. I've been super impressed with him and the return of Luke Keery. They're firing. They're playing great footy. So he was re- he was night. very impressive. He was relentless the other night. The kicking game, the repeat sets. Um, I think probably the best thing for Robinson here, just to highlight one thing, was he pulled Lodge and 
Jared about 27, 28 minutes and just ran with all the bench middles for 50 minutes and they still torched him. And he's yeah. getting a look into probably, you know, Egan and these couple of guys and he gave Connor some extra minutes and looking at the situation where with Collins and Tokio coming back, he can rely on a couple of these guys if he has to because they've really had a trouble keeping everyone in the park. But even if not here, um, I haven't seen the lineup yet, but, you know, who does he keep? I, I'd, I'd be sticking with Watson and then going with three forwards. I'd be keeping Egan. I, w- I don't know if you can carry Hutchison. I think if as long as Kiri's in a good headspace and he's healthy, I think you can reshuffle to suit if you need to, whether that means you have to push a back row to centre and get Manu in the halves or what it be. But I, I think they're at a point now where best 17. Um, yeah, I think last week he sort of got some extra minutes and got a look at a few of those guys. And yeah, like, you, you can't talk about them in any more better light that they've been superb and it's a real great game this week. Correct, yep. Tigers, we talked about a bit earlier, and I know some of their fans got angry, said we lost Marmolo, Garner, and so far. I thought we're under the pump early, but yeah, regardless of that. Yeah, we, we get it. We get it. It's, uh, yeah, it's not what you should be conceding, but Dragons, Titans, 46-26, summing everything up again. When the send-off happened with Molo, with 18 minutes to go, I thought they're in this. Like They've been yo-yoing their way in and out of the game the whole time. They're only behind by a try. Surely now they, they run away with this or they find a way to win. And in the end, they end up conceding three times after that to 12 players and losing 46-26. I was baffled. Oh, yeah. What more to say, my friend? What more to say? Well, I'm really hoping their off-season is just based around nothing but defense and effort because they can attack in their, in their moments with the best of them. Like The talent between... Tino, for more Brimson, you know, all these sort of guys in terms of tackle busting, running off, like, like there's some really quality yeah, I moments. I say it every week. They concede 30 and 40 points oh, every week. And they miss 50 tackles. I've said it every week since the start of the year. It's diabolical. Mm. Between both teams, 100 tackles were missed. So Dragon's not much more cleaner. Obviously lost uh, a couple of plays as well and had to have a bit of a reshuffle. McCulloch went off. Sullivan's natural position is not nine, but just the talent of the bloke, he's going to make an impact if he's on the field. The speed he brought from nine obviously made a difference for them. Uh, Amone continues to grow. Hunt, we know he's been outstanding all year, but the, yeah, the fact that they were able to score three tries with 12 at the end and win this game, just, yeah, that blew me away. It really did. So, yeah. Yeah. The well, said about that game, the, better, the best game of all mm. on Sunday was that Collisions. What do you think about the news about Ben Hunt? There was talk. They were gonna... I think he's worth more than what they're rumouring that he's been offered. Mm. Well, he's currently on his original deal, which is $1.2 million. They're at a point where they're like, we definitely want to keep him. There was talk they were going to be around eight fifty nine hundred because he's getting to the point where he's 33, 34, which I can sort of see the merit in that. But the report now is it was down to seven hundred, which... I think they're they're not close. I think there'd be clubs that were definitely willing to pay more than that for Ben Hunt. <laughs> like performances and origin, the versatility, what he's delivered for them. If he doesn't play this year, they they probably don't win many games at all. No, I agree. With that. So I understand like length and the amount of money that you probably don't want to pay him what you paid him originally, one point two, one point three at the point he's at, but he's certainly minimum I think you should be around the eight fifty, nine hundred mark. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I, I think 
What's your now? One point three. Yeah, that dearly come down for was like I'd, six. I'd be comfortable paying him a million for two years. And that's what I mean. I thought they were going to one hundred to a million for two years. Yeah. Yeah, I thought they'd do a bit of a haircut, but still on the cap. Obviously, we'd like to have less, and then have some money in third parties. But hmm. yeah, I just thought for them, surely they would be, you know, taking a little bit of a haircut, but offering him years and look at the importance of him um, for them and clearly see what he's done for him this year. Without him, they barely win a game. So, yeah, that, that was interesting to me and opened the door to the thought of, you know, if the Dolphins were looking for somebody for a couple of years or, like you said, I know the Gold Coast would be completely flipped to go suddenly with all these veterans, but I'm sure a couple of those Queensland teams in particular would take a look at Ben Hunt if the Dragon situation doesn't pan out. Yeah. But that one, we'll have to see how that plays out. And probably the other interesting thing that leaked out of there today was that they had a run at Serraldo as well last minute. So that probably adds more fuel to the fire that Anthony Griffin, we already knew, probably wasn't safe. But still, again, they've got Flanagan internally. He's made his intentions clear that he wants to coach again. I don't think you need to look any further. I really don't. Mm. But we'll see how that shakes out to finish up. And the last game we've got here is Raiders Newcastle 28 22. 22-8 at halftime. I couldn't believe it. I thought, again, much like last week, here we go, they're about to blow it. They're getting eliminated. They find a way to win the game, which is, you know, outstanding. But, again, the inconsistency within 80 minutes with Canberra just blows me away week to week. It really does. Well, they won. They found a way to win. Mm. It was a tough old day. Newcastle fans were up and about and day game. and Newcastle jumped and they were perfect with their completions in the first half. Mm. To play, you know, a team that was missing who they were missing after the week they'd had, you got no Ponga, no Safidi, no Frizzell, no Best, up there with everything to play for and to come out the way they did. I know they got the win, but, man, they make things hard every week. They really do. And that's why, I guess, even looking at them in Brisbane right now, but overall from their seasons, I probably don't think they deserve to get in, if I'm being honest. Um. But, again, on their best day, if they can put... That's fair, but they also haven't been spanked by 60 this year, I think, either. Yeah, I'd have to go back and have a look, but, yeah, overall... Pretty sure they haven't been. I just... I think they're, yeah, at the moment, they're playing better footy than Brisbane. Whether they can get in or not, who knows? That comes back to that early early season form. But the interesting thing is they've, they've won 12 games and lost 10. So that old adage that 12 and 12 will get you in, well... They they could go, um, yeah. They they could win the next two weeks and potentially not get into, which would put them at fourteen wins. Mm, well, the wins have clearly been top heavier this year, uh, like we see. Whereas last year, I think it was ten and a half points. Uh, ten and a half wins got the Gold Coast here. Yeah, but we'll see how things play out for them. I guess the thing for them that's been really really consistent in particular in this good period they've had all these wins as their forwards um, Tarpany on return was outstanding again probably no more summed up from the link between him and Papa Lee on that try they were the two that created the, the line break then come up with the offload back over the top which got White over the line they were both outstanding Hudson Young I think that's seven tries in his last nine games in the form that he's been in he was outstanding I think Gould has really made a fist of his opportunity since coming back in so off the back of their, their middles and their edges in particular, I thought those guys were really good because, to be honest, 
Fogarty's boot at times sort of hurt, and, and Jack put one out in the full and missed a couple of tackles. It wasn't one of his best days, so their, their forward pack certainly dug him out of a hole. Well, yeah, they did, absolutely. Um, and, yeah, for Newcastle, I guess, like we said, uh, finishing the year off, the issues they've had, Peter Parr was pretty strong this week uh, about setting some standards and trying to turn things around and get them back to where they should be. Uh, Mapa Balengi got a debut on the weekend, was solid. It looks like he's going to get another run this week. So, you know, I, I think the other one that really impressed me was the 19-year-old the who played SG Ball this year, Orion Keeley. He got activated from a HIA. The, the 15 or so minutes he had, geez, he had a red-hot crap. He did. Look like a man possessed, didn't he? Mm. So, I think, again, there, there is positives like performance, that. Improved performance, improved performance Hmm. You just hope that you see that these last few weeks. But, um, yeah, the, the young man... The challenge. Thought another preseason or so before he sort of got a look in the, the situation they're in to get that opportunity to get activated and get on the field. Um, yeah, a big off season. He might be right in the fold next year. <laughs> That's funny. Mm. But yeah, I thought he, he really made an impact when he got on the field. He was great. Yeah. But that wraps up the reviews of the games from the weekend. Let's jump in and preview. The round ahead and have a look at the odds thanks to bluebet.com.au and on all NRL games this week, back a team head-to-head and if they lead by six or more at half time, Bluebet will pay you out as a winner up to $100 in winnings. Lead by six at half time, you win. Terms and conditions apply. Gamble responsibly and uh, as we said before, visit the website or download the app today. The first game we have is that rematch from a few weeks ago where the Broncos embarrassed Parramatta, um, but see if things can turn around this time. On the Brisbane side of things, Kurt Capewell has been named despite that ankle injury, so that's something that'll have to be monitored. Branko Lee is back into the centres. Deloise Hoyter goes to 18th man. And for the Eels, there is no changes to the side, but Makasi Makatoa and Jake Arthur have been added to the bench um, in, on that side of things, and Bryce Cartwright and Okafi Ogden have moved into the reserves. So uh, for me, this one, I have to go with the Eels at the moment. Brisbane, they're just not going good. It's at home, but yeah, with it, with a cloud on Catewell, the form, Carrigan, the way things are going for them right now, I think Parramatta's tail should be right up. You there, mate? Yeah. Sorry, it's just blanking out a little bit there. Yeah. So I'm on Parramatta. I think their tail should be right yeah, up to me, this Yeah, me too. Sorry, went, went out, cut out there a little bit. Yeah, Parramatta, no-brainer. On the back of 60, Brisbane, I'd be shocked if they got up and won this one. Mm. You're obviously looking for an improvement, especially defensively, but, yeah, they're a little bit rocked at the moment. Parramatta need to put a couple of weeks together. Well, just go with a top eight side for as long as you can. Mm. And I, I guess for Parramatta... Confidence back up. Like I said, this is a game to probably lock in a home final, but also a chance to potentially play still for top four last round. So, um, big opportunity for them. And with bluebet.com.au, Parramatta are the favourites at $1.67. Brisbane, two twenty, So, probably a little closer than expected. Minus three and a half is the line for that one. Panthers, Warriors, dead set bank interest. You'd assume on this one, but for Penrith, Jerome Luai returns a week early, which surprised me, and Fisher-Harris. So they're going to play some of these guys and get some minutes into their legs leading into the finals. Jamin Salmon moves out with Luai returning. 
Uh, Matt Eisenhuth goes back to the bench with Fisher-Harris in, so Jermaine Hopgood moves to the reserves, and Scott Sorensen still out with his calf. For the Warriors, Tevita Harris is back. He moves to 5'8". Arcee goes out. Curran moves into the second row in place of Jack Murchie. Dunamis Louis comes on to the bench, and Ben Mordok-Basilla is back from an elbow injury. This one, surely, is just Penrith, and this could be a cricket school. Yep, Penrith. At home. They're giving them the minor premiership at home, which I think should happen. Um, it's already been sorted. It's their last home game. It'll be a bit of a celebration, and I don't think it's going to be pretty at all, and I'm pretty sure bluebet.com.au will agree. Surprise, surprise, Panthers, $1.02, $14 for the Warriors, 28 and a half is the start. So huge start there. Storm, Roosters, that clash down in Melbourne, 8 o'clock Friday night. On the Melbourne side of things, they've got Munster named at six again, but more than likely Meany will defend there again and he'll play at fullback. Coates has been named despite that head knock. Harry Grant's been named despite that knee injury and Nelson with the shoulder and Felice Cafusi also returns in the back row. So they've got Brandon Smith at lock. They've pushed Tui Kamikamika back to the bench along with Lewis, Eisenhuth and King. And on the Rooster side of things, two big ins. Lindsay Collins returns from concussion. Tokiaho from that fractured cheekbone. Terrell May and Oliver Gildart make way. Paul Momorowski is back into the centres. And Drew Hutchison goes back to 18th man. So who do you like in this one, Boxhead? Mm. What do you think? Uh, pains me to say it, but I really like what the Roosters are doing. Um, the fact they got those... The home ground advantage is going to be significant. Yeah, I, I think for the Roosters, similar deal like you're saying about Melbourne. I think this is a real one for them to hit at home. I think the Cowboys win was a real win. Some people disagree, and I think they were great against Penrith, but just their all-round form, I think they're going to have a little bit more off their bench. I think that it'll be super close, but I, I'm going to lead slightly towards the Roosters. Yeah, me too. Home ground usually leads it the other way, but... Mm. Yeah, well, regardless, I just hope it's an awesome game. Even as a Melbourne fan, I'm, if, if we were to lose this one, I, you know, I wouldn't be disappointed because I think th- this team is the team that I had my heart earned on at the start of the year, the Roosters. When we did the podcast, I tipped Melbourne because I just thought it's the last ride for a lot of guys. But before the season was months out, it's always hard. You don't know injury-wise. But I was really bullish on the Roosters. I thought, no hope mid-season and the injury toll looked like it was coming but um, if this Kiri situation stays the way it is and these forwards stay healthy uh, they look to be building quite nicely so th- this is a real good gauge and a hell of a game and the bluebet.com.au mob have got Melbourne as the favourite at $1.53 so $2.50 for the Roosters if you like the outsider like we do minus five and a half is the line there the early Saturday game to kick things off is the Raiders up against Manly at home. The same 17 for the Raiders. No surprise for Manly. They've got a debutant on the wing. Raymond Viaga gets named on the wing in place of Alfred Smalley. Andrew Davey comes back into the back row. Ethan Bullimore drops to 18th man. And Tolfo Sipley starts with Martin Tapau going back to the bench. Uh, this is simple again as well. Like Raiders at home just have to win. Yep. Manly off. For a little while now, so mm. that's what I would expect to happen. Hard to see it turn around, but they're obviously not going to blow the odds out massively. 
on the fact that the Raiders have been so inconsistent, and rightfully so. Bluebet.com.au, Raiders $1.25, Manly $4, minus 14.5 is the line there. And I think I said it the other day, they've only had one 13-plus all year this year. So if you get Canberra at 1-12 to 12 most weeks for their wins, the wins they've had, um, you would have been making money. But again, in terms of this week, if they're serious, I think they should try and do a number on Canberra. Oh, sorry, on, on Manly at home, but... We'll yeah, see how that get the get the win. Yeah, see how that plays out. But Sharks, I'm pretty sure this is their last home game of the season at points bet up against the Bulldogs. Again, few troops missing, but a few come back. Sifatalakai returns. Connor Tracy is still out. Um, Teague Wilton returns on the bench as well. Braden Trindle goes to 18th man, and this will be the last home game. Like I said, for Andrew Fafita, so plenty of emotion for the Bulldogs. <clears throat> They've got Luke Thompson moving to start at lock. Josh Jackson goes locked to second row. Pungai Jr. is out, and Chris Patolo goes on. He's not out. He's been dropped in the reserve grade. Well, I don't know. They've just got out, so interesting, that one. But Reserve grade, yeah. New South Wales Cup. I haven't seen the lineups for that one, but you obviously know something about that. So No, no, nothing about it. I just saw he was named there. Oh, there you go. I haven't seen that. That's interesting. NRL website just says he's out, so I'm assuming he's injured. Mm. But uh, regardless, I think this could be a cricket score again with what's left to play for, so Sharks. Yep, I'm with you. Mm. And bank interest odds again with bluebet.com.au. Sharks are $1.05. The Dogs are $10. Minus 22 and a half is the line. Uh one of the three cracker games between those top eight teams, Rabbitohs up against the Cowboys at ANZ, or sorry, Acor Stadium, as I always mix up the names. It's changed a few times, but uh, interesting one with the Cowboys. Obviously, they haven't done well in Sydney this year. They haven't had to travel much, and they've obviously got a reshuffle now with no Dearden. Drinkwater comes into the front line to play at six. Hamiso goes back to fullback, um, and Tom Gilbert comes back in after being out for personal reasons last week for the Rabbitohs. Jackson Paula has been admitted after that tough night he had last week with those errors. Isaac Thompson, who was obviously good in that stint, um, has been knocking at the door. He gets an opportunity back on that wing. Tom Burgess returns from his groin injury. Hame Sele moves into the starting side, and Saluka Fafita drops out. And Cody Nicarima also returns, so Tane Milne goes out to the reserves. Uh, I'm going to lean towards South because, like I said, Acor, they usually play well at home. Different sort of conditions from the Cowboys, and I think that the whole balance that they have um, with drink water at one, picking and choosing his moments rather than playing in the front line, in particular defending in the front line. I know they're a lot better defensively this year, um, but, yeah, I, I think they'll see plenty of traffic sort of coming his way if I'm correct in my mind he'll be mainly on the left yeah not sure um, so if that's the case I think Kalama Matungi and that side of the field um, yeah they might spot him up a little bit but again a, a real big test for these two teams Cowboys pretty much have to win because I think Penrith will give him a lobby last round I don't think they'll send anyone up which means they'll hold on to that home final but this is pretty much a must win if they want to finish second um, for South, they're still not locked in. I think they will make it, but you know, for them, I think they'd rather grab the win at home this week than have it come yeah. down to the last round against the Roosters. Yeah. So I'm on South. Me too. 
the bluebet.com.au, they're a dollar fifty-one favorite. The Cowboys two dollars fifty-five outside. A minus six and a half is the line. And then Sunday we've got all the teams down at the bottom for a bit of a battle. Uh, you've got the Tigers up against the Dragons. Luke Garner, Ken Mamalo, James Tarmout, and Alex Safarth are all out. Junior Parker comes on the wing. Tommy Freeban starts in the back row. Offa Hengali moves to prop. Farmanu Brown goes to lock. Jake Simpkin goes to hooker. Little um, and debutante Kitioni Katoga are the new faces on the bench. And Luke Brooks is still missing. And for the Dragons, similar deal. Big changes. Jack Bird goes to lock uh, to centre to replace Embai, who's suspended. DeBellin goes to 13. Aaron Wood starts at prop. Frank Molo suspended and McCulloch is out with an injured knee. Jaden Sullivan is going to start at hooker. And then on the bench, they've added Terrell Fuimano, Jaden Hunt, Jackson Ford, and Terrell Sloan. So a swag of changes there. Uh, regardless of that, I'm going to stick with the Dragons. They've still got Hunt. You've got a moan. I still think they've got better players in their side in general. Um, and for the Tigers, good night for... Uh, Kitiano, they've obviously had a couple of debutants the last few weeks. Wouldn't be surprised again if we see Brandon Tumuth before the end of the year, much like we've seen Justin already, Diaz and Fanua get a couple of games. But, yeah, um, even with that reshuffle, I, I think the Dragons are stronger. Yeah, me too. And the odds reflect that with bluebet.com.au. $1.35, the Dragons, three twenty. The Tigers, minus 8.5. The line there in the last game of the round, the Titans at home against Newcastle. Philip Semi's been named but needs to get through HIA protocol. Paddy Herbert is out with an injury. Brian Kelly returns from a similar injury. Jamie Joloff starts. Cleese Haas, the brother of Payne, joins the bench for his NRL debut and Jared Wallace moves out of the team. And for Newcastle, Tyson Frizzell, Daniel Safidi are both back on deck. So Matt Croker and Jacob Safidi go back to the bench. Anari Tuala is in the reserves after being dropped last week for missing the bus. And Bradman Bess, he got injured last week and didn't even end up playing. So he's not available. Uh, and Mitch Barnett was thought to be close this week. He's also not available. So I did it last week and I regretted it, but I'm going to do it again. I'm going to go to the Titans at home with no confidence. Yeah, me too. Uh, I just think... I, I, I find it... For, the, for both these teams, even though people say they're not playing for something, you have to be. Whoever will lose, like if they both lose this week, I, I don't think either. I think it'll come down to four and against for the wooden spoon, but I think the Tigers or the Titans are not going to get a better opportunity with the games they've got, but I just think the Tigers are, Tigers are severely weak at the moment. Uh, but for the Titans, this is winnable. They have to win this. And if they do, the spoon will be going to the West Tigers. But yeah, if, if Newcastle play like they did last week, they, they could easily win this game. Yeah, that's true. But you just don't know what you're going to get. They're also not far off the wooden spoon. They're not going to get it, but there's a good reason they're running third or fourth last. So the odds in this one, Bluebet have gone with the home side in the Titans. They're $1.45. And the Knights are two seventy-five minus six and a half is the line. Um, but yeah, Sunday's probably not the best games, but we've got three really good clashes there between some top eight teams. And like I said, still a lot to be made up here. Who gets that home final? in second place, who's heading to Penrith week one for a hard game. You know, the home finals at the bottom end, Roosters, Rabbitohs, Broncos are all only one win ahead of the Raiders, so they're still not locked in. 
Um, Raiders obviously have to keep winning, so there's still a lot to play for in terms of what's happening in the top eight. The only team that is locked in, of course, uh, is the Panthers. And then on the flip side of that, you've got the Sharks and the Cowboys who pretty much won't be going out on four and against of the top four, but are both playing for a home final. So lots still to happen there. Yeah. But there you go. That wraps us up for another week of the fifth and last. Big thanks to bluebet.com.au. Remember, if you can have a bet with anyone, do it with the true blue bookie. Visit the website or download the app today. Penrith Solar Center, invest in yourself, invest in your house, help your back pocket and in your long-term future. Visit their website, www.penrithsolar.com.au or call 1800 Bears of hope. Uh, again, thanks to Frank. Nice to meet you, mate, and that donation. Uh, hopefully, I can get you a win this week for the charity account. And like I said before, we'll uh, hopefully get some more content sorted on the run home as we've got a little bit more time and even a couple of hijacks if we get some time as well. But exciting times. We're, we're really close to hopefully what will be one of the best final series in memory in, in uh, a long time. Yeah. But for now, enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 